0: Sex is just like, it's this very primal, instinctual thing that we do to procreate. Like, that's all that
1: is.
0: (laughs) When it becomes erotic, that's when it becomes spiritual. You know, I've had people, it's like, they want to have penetration, because that's all they know about (laughs) sex. Right. And it's like, whoa, whoa, let's explore a little bit. Like, do you know that you can feel good without putting your penis in a vagina? Like...
1: (laughs) I am talking to someone that I just absolutely love, and I'm just, I've been so grateful to have this person in my life over the past year. I'm talking to feisty feminista, and we met about a year ago, I think, because we both do sessions, wrestling and boxing, and access strength for clients, and we also film, and we've had the opportunity to film together a lot recently. And um, in the middle of all this, we end up having just amazing talks about feminism and serving clients in a holistic way and so many things. So I wanted to bring her on the podcast to talk about what it's like being feisty, how she became feisty, and what it means in terms of her spiritual and sexual journey. So welcome, Feisty, to Left Handed Journeys. Uh, I'm so honored to
0: um to be be uh, asked to come and talk to you about <laughs> these things for real. <laughs> I really do appreciate um being able to have these conversations. It's helping me to um you know just to think more sometimes I forget and I'm just going through life and not realizing um how how unintentionally intentional I've been. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I feel the same. Like we talk we've talked a lot about like racism in the industry in ways that I just I haven't done enough thinking about, you know, and I don't have those conversation partners and So but let let's start way earlier. Um I still this question from On Being, which is a you know, like a safe podcast and the host always starts by asking folks like what are your spiritual roots? Like where did you where did you start?
0: You know, and when you say spiritual, like it just makes me think back to like I I think religion at first because I don't mm-hmm. ever remember feeling or like being taught about spirituality in general or like my own spirituality when I was young. Gotcha. Um, I was just raised a, as a Catholic, and like that—that that was my spiritual introduction. Um, And I know now that there wasn't much spirituality in that it was more about structure and control and, mm. you know, white supremacy and patriarchy and, yeah, sexual repression and that kind of thing. And so, you know, I made my sacraments, I'm baptized, and <laughs> I I made my communion, and I went um, to a Catholic school for sixth to eighth grade, and I made my confirmation and penance, mm-hmm. you know, I asked God, white God, to forgive me for my sins, Um and when I was, like, in the eighth grade, I decided, like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Who is this
0: God they speak of, you know? And I kind of just gave up on this structured Catholic um, religion that I was in. And mm-hmm. I really didn't, like, I know other people who went on and explored other religions once they once they decided that, you know, Catholicism or, you know, let's say uh, Judaism or um, Islam wasn't for them. But I didn't do that. And only now, as an adult, am I, like, have I been introduced to people who have studied other faiths? So let's say, like, Buddhism or Taoism, you know, or Hinduism. And then when you think about um, something like, yoga or tantra that's what's more introduced me to the spiritual aspect of myself you know i took a yoga class for the first time in a long time the other day and i'm going through a a very my friend of mine has experienced something very traumatic and so it's been a heavy week and i'm in this class sweating and crying and it felt so good because i'm Realizing you know that like this is just some flesh that I'm inhabiting,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you know i can I can use my mind to manipulate that body um and make it do incredible things and to elevate myself to the point where I can connect with beings outside of myself, you know, um, and so yeah, I feel these days, I feel the most spiritual when. I'm in nature when I'm like sitting here outside looking at the roses and watching the bees and they're pollinating and I'm feeling the sun on my skin and the wind. Like to me, that's where (laughs) we could all be, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to experience more of that in my life. So that's why I decided to be on the road most of the time because I think being outdoors is where I feel the most spiritual.
1: When did that start? When did you start um, traveling
0: like so frequently? My dad always used to take us places when we were kids, not like out of state or anything, but he always liked to, you know, like with my mom, we would just stay in our neighborhood and, mm-hmm. you know, play with the friends of the area, and my dad would take us to Manhattan or to Long Island or maybe we would go to Jersey or something like that. And, you know, I don't even remember even exactly what we were doing, but it was just like let's get out and explore so he kind of instilled that in me and when i was a kid my grandparents used to go camping so i used to love that because i would go fishing with my grandpa and we'd be outside in the wilderness and yeah i mean it was a campground so it's not like we're right <laughs> hiking yeah. or doing rugged camping or anything like that but yeah. still, it was it was different than being in queens new york and so i think i held on to that too and um I did a little bit of travel when I was like in my early teens and then my mid-20s, um, I started traveling for school and I had done a study abroad program in the on the border of Haiti and Dominican Republic and that's what really made me realize that um, I'm extremely privileged uh, for being born in the United States and just just that um my my world is so tiny that i'm living in and that if i really want to learn anything i have to go out and meet other people and go to new places where everything's different it was very humbling for me and so that was the beginning of my international travels so after that i ended up going to like i went to egypt with a class and then i was in costa rica i went to jamaica i went to puerto rico um, I ended up by myself backpacking a few years later. I just kind of took off um, after after packing up and moving from, from Harlem in New York City to the desert of New Mexico, <laughs> uh, where I was at for about a year, and then I started international travels again. And so I backpacked through Mexico, Guatemala, Belize, Honduras. And then I ended up taking a trip to Cuba. Uh, Where else did I go? I ended up in Europe. I went down through Morocco. Uh, where else am I forgetting? I was out east right before COVID hit, and um I'm really ready to do some more international travels. But since I couldn't do that, and I had this new job, which required me to travel, you know, all over the country, I just figured, why would I fly everywhere and just stay in hotels? Like, I can make it an extended road trip. And so I think it was, what are we in 2021 now? I think it was like the summer of 2019. I bought a van and I just started driving (laughs) with no real like destination. Hmm. And yeah, I was able to like sort of live in that van. So that was pretty cozy. And um, then I switched to a more fuel um, efficient vehicle. So now I have a Prius and just continue driving and so (laughs) I would like create some adventure around my work so I would go to a city that I knew I was going to be in a hotel um, and I would see some clients and then I would find out what was really cool around there and then I'd go explore that so I would go from being in a you know very cushy Hilton to sleeping in my tent or even in my car (laughs) Even in the car, which was cool, but I got to see the most beautiful places and um just explore my country like I know i you know I talk mm-hmm. a lot of trash about this place and the privilege um in which we're all ignorant of here, but I got to meet a lot of cool people that I never thought I would, and I got to be in nature in like the most beautiful places that I have ever seen, you know and so drastically different too from deserts to forests to shorelines. It's been amazing. I love chasing waterfalls, hot springs, um, nude resorts, and sunsets. That's my favorite thing. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I just love to see a beautiful sunset. It makes me – it's just like a great way to wrap up the day, you know. Yeah. So
1: I want to get into telling folks about our industry because I think it's a little different. But I wanted to say that I think – it seems like for you that going back to nature is one of the ways that you ground yourself, right, in an otherwise really intense career.
0: Yes. Is that true? Yeah. Yes, yes. bring myself back to reality because, you know, I, I spend a lot of time serving others mm-hmm. um, and a lot of time, like, sitting behind a computer screen or, again, being in a hotel room, um, just just putting a lot of my energy towards this sort of, you know, artificial aspect of, of my life. And then it's nice to go back to sit on the edge of a mountain and play my guitar as the sun goes down. It's like, Oh, right. I remember who I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. So I really I should have done this at the beginning is because most people are not going to know what like a sessioner is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like how it differs from various other types of, you know, whatever you want to call it, adult work, sex work. Um, so for me, I think like I learned about sessioning somebody that's been on the show before uh, Venus who had a lot of boxing clients on a phone sex site. And I learned through these clients that people will pay me to box Mm -hmm. them in a hotel room, usually wearing some sort of like swimsuit or something. Um, but sessioning often is, like, either people that are wrestling or boxing or, like, in some way physically dominating a customer. And because of that, it's it can be sexual, but it's – like, the sexuality of it is is really different, right? <laughs> like the yeah. They, and a lot of the people then that, that do this work that will really go around the country um, – seeing clients in this way often also film with each other. So film these like fetish oriented physical clips with each other. Um, And I think because of this, they also tend to travel more than other industries, like travel more than the escorts or the pro doms. Like, because, because it's so niche, like you end up seeing a few clients and like you film with a few other models from place to place and you're just traveling constantly. Um, that to me is what sets it apart like how else would you describe like
0: the, the sessioning world? Wow, how to describe it yeah, i mean i right. feel like it's hard um you know, I have a bachelor's degree in you know sociology, so I like to think that i'm mm-hmm. that I'm using that <laughs> in in the work that I'm doing now, um except I get to make a lot more money than I would be if I was. You know, working for some kind of non profit organization, and I feel like I'm helping people just as much as I would be if I was doing that other work as well. I think it's great because it's some, this is just it's something that's so no one knows about it it's extremely uh, uh-huh. underground. I feel like it it might even be more frowned upon than just general sex work, you know. I think it's very psychological and mm. I think it has a lot to do with like the patriarchal system that we live up under. And that's why like our our strength has been like women's strength or feminine strength has been suppressed or has tried to be suppressed for so long that here I am able to explore that and express that with these guys it's like (laughs) it's a dream come true honestly (laughs) it's um oh no i think it helps um every party that's involved i i feel honored that i get to do this as my work you know like i've i've just always been a bold big person full of uh as they call passion and so it's really awesome that I get to express that in a constructive way and call it my job. <laughs>
1: totally. And a lot of the clients then, you know, have always been interested in or attracted to stronger women, larger women, whatever. And so it's, which is counter-cultural. <laughs> exactly. So the industry is hidden. And oftentimes there's a lot of like shame or um, suppression of these desires because it's, not something you're supposed to have. I am outside Denver right now, and I've not adjusted to the altitude. So I'm like, I gotta breathe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, deep um, breaths. Deep yeah. breaths. Mm-hmm. Um You got into this a little different. I mean, I think we all got into it in different ways. But mm-hmm. you want to talk a little bit about how you got into it and like how you started with cuddling?
0: Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like again, like sometimes in my life I feel like things just happen by accident (laughs) and I'm just like following these signs much how when I'm traveling, sometimes I don't even know where the hell I'm going. I'm just like wandering a little bit and just following some intuition. And I find the most beautiful places. Like um, it seems like, Oh, this is what I was looking for and I didn't even know it. So You know, I was like a hardcore activist in New York City um, and and living with a partner at the time. That's how he and I had met, trying to change the policy of stop and frisk in New York City where they, you know, were disproportionately targeting people of color. And so we really wanted to um, stop that policy. And in some ways we did. um, And we were like pioneers of creating this idea of filming the police. They even created a poster <laughs> about us um, calling me a professional agitator, which I am, I'm sure. I don't get paid to be an agitator, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> now now I do. <laughs> but um, So I, we were doing that in New York and we just felt like okay, this is, you know, we're getting arrested way too much and this is mm. way too risky. Um, let's let's connect back to nature. Let us do the things that we are preaching um, for, which is getting back to a simpler life and growing food and building our own things, you know, uh, mm. building our own home and whatever and like walking more and consuming less, that kind of thing. And so we moved out to New Mexico and I stayed there for a few years doing just that. And I was pretty broke and I really didn't have a need for money. So I wasn't really thinking about it. I had all the the things that I needed and I would, you know, I'd be online and, you know, just go in checking with family and you go on Facebook and you, you know, just trying to keep people updated and post all the cool things that we're doing, like building a home out of mud and, you know, scrap wood and, bottles and cans, and um, I kept seeing this ad for becoming a professional cuddler, and I'm like, what is this, you know, and I would just exit out, because it just looked like some silly ad, and after several times of seeing it, finally, I was like, let me just check it out, and I signed up as a professional, and I started getting all these requests, (laughs) and I'm like, are you kidding me? People want to pay me to hug them? This is amazing. I love hugging, you know. I love to cuddle. And that's how I started. Like I said, the site that I was on, I didn't need any kind of certification. Um, I'm just really good at it. And I have I met up with a few people in New Mexico. And then when I went back home for the holidays, it was like even more business um, out in New York. And it made me realize how many people are deprived of that physical touch um, from another human. And I was really happy to be able to provide that for people. However, you know, sometimes people would want to do more than just platonic cuddle, which means like, you know, we have all of our clothes on. This is not sexual in any way. We're talking. We're just feeling each other's bodies because in this society we're deprived of that. You know, people barely touch each other anymore. And so when I realized that people wanted to do more things with me, um, I remembered some things I had done in my previous life, like working at a dungeon. And I thought, well, what else? <laughs> what else do folks want to do? How, what other ways do they want to use their body? And what other ways are they deprived of touch and not able to explore their fantasies? And that's how I stumbled upon session wrestling, like literally just a Google search of like like sex. I don't even remember what what I was searching for, sex work or adult industry or that kind of thing. And just stumbled upon it. And I'm like, wrestling? Oh, interesting. You guys want to wrestle me? Well, that's cool. And I worked with somebody in New York and then she introduced me to the session girls website. And it was just, that like my life was changing right in that moment. I had no idea that it was even happening. <laughs> and yeah, I did that for about a year. I would just, you know, meet folks. I had no wrestling experience. Um, I had some boxing experience and, I just went with it, and, like, clients taught me along the way, and I would watch videos, and the person I was working with in New York, she taught me some moves, not too much, but mostly just all self-taught. And then it was about a year into doing that when I discovered um, or when I found out about the event that was happening out in Vegas, and that's when I first met any other women who were session wrestlers then there was a whole nother um awakening, like, "Wow, I can work with these women, so we can ha we can see clients together and we can make videos together, and we can travel together and train each other and mentor each other and bring other people into it and It just felt like I was part of this really cool underground secret society of badass women um <laughs> and it's growing, and I
1: love it it's, it's
0: like, that's awesome, yeah.
1: Yeah, I love the community. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, and there's something just, uh, you have to be a specific type of person to be able to do this work. <laughs>
0: oh. oh, for sure. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, you have to, um, someone's trying to call me. It's probably, probably a client right now trying to see if I can see him in Florida. No, you just, I mean, because there's just so many elements to it. I mean, you have to, have the ability to talk to people, right? Like, right. Um, you know, this is about having a, a big personality and being a healer and, like, not just being there for the money. You have to be strong in whatever way that is, like emotion or, like, mentally or just have a big body um, naturally like I do, you know. I don't do mm-hmm. much working out. Clients want to know how many days a week do you work out? How long do you work out? I'm like, I don't really. (laughs) I'm just just big and strong, all on my own, you know. And then you have other women who do this, who like, you know, they're in the gym, you know, um, every day a week, and they're working on having that um, the look of being strong. So you have to be athletic in some type of way or or strong in that way. And you have to have, like, the ability to travel. Like, not everybody can just pick up and, and move all over the country. You know, people have already started lives. I, yeah, I think it's, like, a very um, unique mix of all these um, abilities and, and qualities that allow us to do the work that we're doing. Because I know I've tried to get other people into it where I'm like, wow, you look amazing. You would really kick mm-hmm. an ass, you know. And they're just like, ooh, it's not for me. Not everybody. Yeah. <laughs> wants to be in a hotel room with a strange guy, um, kicking his sure. ass. But yeah. I think if they tried it one time, they would be really into it. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is
1: intimidating. It's very intimidating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I
0: mean, that's how, I mean, I, you know, I felt that way when I did my first cuddle session. It was just like, mm-hmm. I don't know who this person is. And I'm just, I'm at their I'm at The first one was at this person's home. Mm. And I was just like, Ooh, you know, concerned about safety and just, you know, you're meeting a stranger. So right, right. If you're not good at meeting strangers and and sparking up conversation, then yeah, it may not work.
1: Different um, sessioners have different levels of like, we'll just say like risk profiles in terms of like screening, and you know, mm-hmm. some people rely on intuition, which is totally fine. Like I tend to screen way more heavily, but because mm-hmm. of that, I I don't make a living seeing clients because <laughs> because I'm, <laughs> cause I'm mm-hmm. a lot more like I'm I'm going to turn most people down, but. Either way, it is a
0: very intuition-led field, I think, you know. I would say so, yeah. I'm mostly working on my intuition. And I think you and I have discussed this before, just, like, you know, how um, just privilege and and class um, and race comes into this. Like, some of us cannot afford to screen so heavily. Yeah. So that's where I'm at, like, I'm trying to retire early. You know, I'm trying to do this because I want to. And so, yeah, I'm working as hard as I can while <laughs> while I still have use of all my limbs right. um, and the ability to move around. And so I see, I would say I see most people who want to see me. And I really, I have had very few um, bad experiences and I've never had a, like an unsafe experience. Mm-hmm. I have not. So, but I do wish that there was a way for, for there to be more safety, for sure, and to and to create a an easier way for, let's say, someone like yourself who does more heavily screening to be able to do that with ease.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I have this conversation a lot in different, like, religious circles who want to talk about the morality of any kind of adult work or sex work, and I'm like, you're deciding who has to be safe, you know? Right by setting these moral standards, you're basically saying that, like, the people that choose to do it or, or have to do it for a living don't deserve the safety measures because because of all the legislation in place that's against us, you know?
0: Exactly. That, yeah. Yeah, um, it, feels, it feels very unfair in many ways. Yeah, like, yeah, just accessibility. To be able to do this work in general, like, it's really hard for me, actually, to be on, like, I want to be able to provide you know many services and it's just really hard to do that because people pretend like making a law against something is going to stop it and it doesn't it just makes it an unsafe climate for people who do choose like we're adults you know I can choose the work I want to do like if we want to talk about morality and um capitalism like let's go (laughs) yeah you want to what is what is moral to sell? You know, you can sell water, but you can't sell intimacy. Like, explain that to me. You know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so since you've been doing this, all of the work, like it sounds like you you've had a history. Like you worked in the dungeon. You did cuddling. You well, you still do some cuddling. Seeing clients as a sessioner, etc. Like. Do you see like spiritual threads in it for you, or like does it does it do anything for you, truly? And I know that that term's just super vague. Like, what what the hell is spirituality? But
0: <laughs> yeah, I would say I was thinking about this. I think I feel, and we were talking about spirituality and eroticism. You know, I guess I would feel mm-hmm. like cuddling for me is where the spirituality um, mm-hmm. presents itself most. Because just when when we're wrestling, it just feels very primal to me, mm-hmm. you know, very corporal, very, um, it c- it can be aggressive, you know, it can be erotic, it can, but it just feel, it's a different kind of feeling than moving very slow with someone and breathing together with them and talking and getting to know someone and like putting our bodies together and moving very slowly and sometimes we'll like hold each other's hands and we just it's yeah i think it's like it's a different kind of opening up that mm. um feels really good for for both of us it it feels more reciprocal in that way to me i really enjoy cuddling it's very rejuvenating <laughs> um it makes i think we both feel like quite vulnerable. And again, like because because I feel we're so deprived of that touch, it's very satisfying in that way because we don't get it enough, you know, and that feels really good. Like I, I would like to do more cuddling outside. I think that that would definitely elevate the feeling of spirituality because I feel like I can get very close and intimate with someone very quickly, who I don't even know, (laughs) just Mm -hmm. because we're in that same headspace and that breathing together. It's like, you know, it's tantric in a way. It's a beautiful way to connect with a stranger. Mm. Yeah, I enjoy it a lot. So that's, that's the work that I'm doing that feels more spiritual to me, for sure. But I think, you know, I think, um, I think wrestling can be spiritual too, depending on how you define it, you know? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I've talked
1: about this a lot that, for me, I do a little less wrestling, but, like, any sort of pro-doming or the boxing that I do, the spirituality for me comes in in, in serving the parts of somebody that's been denied.
0: mm, mm. <laughs> You
1: know, that feels like, because it's healing work, that's it what is. makes it feel spiritual to me.
0: So. mm That's spiritual, the parts of someone that's been denied, Yeah, All
1: yeah. Right. But I, I mean, I think it, that makes sense for anything that you do, right? Like you're being denied touch is just as poignant, I guess, as being denied access to this, to this desire that you've held.
0: Yeah, being in that healing space, though, for sure, that's definitely spiritual. I don't know. I guess those things are, are maybe to me they feel like not opposites, but they're just different parts of me. Like I guess mm-hmm. maybe it's just this um, a preconceived thing that I have of like spirituality being soft and slow. <laughs> and And maybe more subtle, or even dare I say feminine, I don't know and then and then I think you know I'm thinking about this word erotic, that's where the the wrestling comes in for me because it feels makes me feel so powerful and for me that's that's me exploring the parts of myself that I've been denied
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah, <laughs> what does
1: eroticism mean to you
0: um I guess, yeah, eroticism to me, it means like reclaiming power. It means um, you know, exploring the creative
1: mm.
0: parts of myself. I think that, like I was learning about um, Tantra recently, um, that it's it's like a meditation. It's about breathing. It's not necessarily sexual but the Western world has completely like, took the sexual part of it and then that's what we think of Tantra. Right. And I think yeah. the same thing happened to the erotic. And, um, you know, someone who talks about, oh, we have a a friend visiting, someone who talks about the erotic um, as power is Audre Lorde. And I just love how she talks about it because she makes us realize that you know, it's been warped, you know, like we think about eroticism as like pornography or something like that. And it's like, it's not that at all. Like erotic, to be erotic doesn't mean it's sexual. It means you're pushing boundaries, you're finding yourself, like anything can be erotic, you know, just me sitting in the, in a flower garden <laughs> can be erotic. You know, it's like exploring our senses. It's communicating with other living beings it's yeah it's finding that deep that deep power within oneself and i think it does feel very feminine to me and i want to explore that more for sure so that's why yeah i feel wrestling to me feels very erotic like i've had this conversation with other people and like they they think it's sexual what i do and like it could be you know, if that's the type of session that it is. And maybe that's how it feels for the other person involved. But to me, it feels erotic. It's me feeling sexy and strong and reclaiming this strength that a woman has in this world that we have been denied. Like, I feel so powerful. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. When I get to, you know, when I'm just like even... By, by myself, alone, you know, and I'm like putting on my sh- my let's say I have my wrestling shoes or you know I'm putting on my knee pads and I'm pulling them up slowly and I'm I'm getting dressed and I'm you know get putting putting my twisting my hair in the front and I'm mm-hmm. preparing myself and I'm breathing deeply like this I'm about to allow this person to come into my space. It gives me a feeling that I've that I've never had before.
1: I, have you read uh, *Pleasure Activism*?
0: No, no, but it sounds like I have to.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a book of essays by Adrienne Marie Brown that centers around Audre Lorde's essay mm-hmm. *Uses of the Erotic*. The erotic is power, but it, mm-hmm. it's it's all about like the politics of the politics of pleasure, but and it's specifically centered around Black women. Yeah, I, I've actually read from this before in a in a different um uh podcast episode. So sorry folks if you listen to the lot or the Fioga Day's episode, I'm gonna read it a fucking again. So yeah. um Aud- Audrey Lorde's definition of the erotic that just blew my mind. The erotic is a measure between the beginnings of our sense of self and the chaos of our strongest feelings. It is an internal sense of satisfaction to which once we've experienced it, we know we can aspire. Mm. For having experienced the fullness of this depth of feeling and recognizing its power, in honor and self-respect, we can require no less of ourselves. Mm. I know. We can
0: require no less of ourselves. Like that gives, uh, I literally have chills. Right? I wish, yeah. I wish someone was here to feel my side right now because <laughs> <laughs> I, I know have all over. It's amazing. We can require no less of ourselves yes
1: i I read that during a toxic relationship in twenty nineteen and I just kept thinking about what does it mean to have self respect you know mm-hmm. like in the midst of my desire, you know, and um, it's such a great like uh, litmus test, I don't know if that's the right like am i am I living within my ideal sense of self respect, <laughs> and how that plays into the erotic to me is just fascinating. Yeah.
0: Those words are just, they keep echoing.
1: (laughs) Totally. Right. What an amazing person.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because it just makes me think a lot about the work that I do because sometimes people, you know, they'd like to make it seem like, oh, you don't respect yourself if you do this kind of work. It's like, really?
1: There's
0: a lot of things that I do in life that make me feel like, hmm, (laughs) should I be? Am I treating myself the way that I know I deserve to be treated? Maybe not. And I think this is um, this type of work can be a way to reclaim that because we are specifically as. Um, females or femmes or women um, we are erotic beings yeah it makes me feel good to finally realize that and be able to turn it around and 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 reclaim that power and not not be objectified sexually by this society i see what they've done now i get Mm. it
1: (laughs) we talked a little bit about this but i'm curious to response like for folks to say that like selling yourself is giving away that power selling access to your body or whatever. How do you,
0: what's your response? I just feel like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Selling access to your body. That's, that seems, yeah, that seems correct to me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't like the idea of selling yourself. Like I haven't, I mean, like, right. I'm still in charge of my, my own body. Like I haven't given my, my body away to someone else, but now they, I have no aut- autonomy whatsoever. um, Everyone is doing that. Like as long as we live under, you know, a white supremacist capitalistic patriarchy, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. um, everyone is selling their services, they're selling their labor, their time, you know, giving up a part of themselves to satisfy another and to make make money or resources you know so it's like how is this different you know someone who is a i mean who is a dancer ballet like my gosh that's Mm -hmm. that's giving up a huge part of yourself you know that's like a lot of strain on one's body and time and the mental and it's just like you know artists are doing this all the time any kind of artist you know anyone who's in the healthcare industry is doing this. Anyone who is a teacher is doing this. Like, they are allowing others access to their mental and their physical all the time. So, I just see this, like, as as trying to control, especially because this kind of work is, you know, historically a woman's work. You know, it's just a way to, like, devalue women's work. That's all. Mm. And to... To make it seem like men have free access to our bodies. Like <laughs> right. no, no, sir. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't you don't get to just have free access to my body. Like I get to tell you what the terms are. I get to tell you what it's worth to me to open my mind or my legs, you know. Just thinking I was thinking about like being being a Catholic and one of the sacraments is matrimony, you know. Um mm-hmm. and it's like not everyone's built for that. And this is just, this is a different social contract. That's all. Like, matrimony is a social contract that says that, like, a woman is going to be there emotionally and physically and spiritually for this male that she chose. And then he's going to give her things in exchange. She's just in a longer contract, minus short term, you know? <laughs> right, right you know she's on salary i'm i'm working by the hour so <laughs> that's all it is it
1: feels like um i mean a lot of the morality is around, like is centered around what we hold sacred and it strikes me that in many ways we hold the concept of sex more sacred than we do the the value of somebody's
0: body in general mhm yes i just i don't know exact i i think about this all the time just why why that is right like even saying
1: like, <laughs> Well, like, I think it is wrapped up in like Christian supremacy and white supremacy and the fact that like because it's women's work, because it's often people of color's work and stuff like that, it it doesn't matter as much, you know. Um yeah, there's definitely something there. <laughs> yeah. And just
0: thinking like we like sex and eroticism is so different, you know, mm-hmm. or it's like, mm-hmm. you know, like sex is just like, it's this very primal, instinctual thing that we do to procreate. Like, that's all that is. <laughs> when it becomes erotic, that's when it becomes spiritual, mm. when it becomes more than just that physical sex act. And I think that's why they, like, we never talk about that part of it whatsoever. Like, Yeah, fascinating sex like that's why I li- I've, I'm liking this new term and uh erotic work or erotic laborer I like that mm. a lot more you know because I feel like I do more than that more of that than sex work you know like, yeah and I yeah. I guess to me like I just think of like sex now I just think it's very um surface and raw it's just like you know um like penetration that's what I think of when I think of sex when I think of eroticism, it's like orgasmic and specifically talking about, you know, being intimate with a with a partner
1: mm-hmm. or even in
0: this work. It's like, you know, I've had people, it's like they want to have penetration because that's all they know <laughs> about. Yeah. Sex. Right. And it's like, whoa, whoa, let's explore a little bit. Like, do you know that you can feel good without putting your penis in a vagina? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. No, you can do that. And and that makes me feel so powerful to be able to explore those other avenues with these guys who you know because it's affecting us all it's not just women who are affected sure. negatively by the patriarchy you know or by organized religion or whatever <laughs> like, uh, I'm going to uh, have
1: to wrap up the uh, oh, uh, The wind is blowing so hard outside I'm like what is getting blown around including my dogs oh, <laughs> oh my, oh, my. god
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been this has been great. I love it. It seems like there's more to talk about. I didn't even tell you no, how I wait. became feisty. We'll do it next time. Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs>
1: um, for sure, folks listening, if you want a second episode and you have questions, just please email me, Jara at brown dot com, um, and we will get feisty back on.
0: Thank you so yeah. much. This was great. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Um, thank you for making me think about these things. I'm like, sometimes I just, like I said, I'm just going through it and not really being being intentional enough. <laughs> Cause totally. it was accidentally happening to me. <laughs> that was a great exercise for me. So thank you.